Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them every month at the Canal Cafe Theatre. This story was performed by Marula Paul in April 2009, where the theme was Payback. When I was four, my very Greek parents sent me to a very non-Greek, very strict, very academic and very Catholic, Catholic school. They believed it was the most precious gift they could give me one thing that could set me free from the life that had imprisoned them, the gift of education. They had left their little island in the sun where nobody did any more or less than fish or strangle chickens or grow pomegranates. They got on boats saying their not-so-sad farewells to the simple life and sailed away paying no heed whatsoever to the slightly wilting sunflowers behind them. Their eyes just showed them what their hearts said lay ahead. They worked themselves to death literally in my father's case, just to ensure they gave me that thing they never had. So yes, it came at quite a price. Yet for my bestowing parents, it was their willing choice. For me, however, there was no choice whatsoever. My place was merely to accept and be grateful, or not, as proved to be the way. No one had an inkling that it would result in a seed being blown around helplessly in the wind, desperate to land somewhere long enough to take root. But that bloody wind just wouldn't relent. Greeks, gifts, you know what they say. Fed and watered, my brain soon sprung to life. I started to question. Why was my name so different? Why did I speak a different language? Why did I eat different food? Why did I go to a different church? The answer, of course, lay in the question itself. That cursed word, different. I was different, not like everyone else. Not English, but Greek. And even worse, was that possible? Not Greek in Greece, or a delicious Greek island, but Greek in England. Maybe if my brain hadn't been taught to think for itself, maybe if I could just have seen it through the eyes of others, it could have all been so different, and I could have been the same. To everyone else, I was interesting, unique, exotic. They asked why with curiosity. I asked why with shame and disgust. I felt so utterly full of resentment for my Greekness, my family, my poverty, my language, my entire being. All I wanted to be was the one thing I never could, not different but the same. 
I had no brothers, no sisters. My parents worked constantly to pay for my schooling, and so I never saw them. I wasn't allowed to mix with English friends, only Greek ones. Slight problem here, where we lived, there were no other Greeks. They were all to be found on the other side of London, which a half century ago may as well have been the other side of the world. So there was just me and a hell of a lot of solitary time with which to think. It led me on some strange journeys. One place it took me to, or in this case away from, was the loo. Shortly after starting school, I stopped going to the loo. I did everything I could to develop steel-like pelvic muscles to stop from wetting myself. I bravely put up with chronic tummy swelling, which caused me to look as though I had a watermelon shoved up my jumper, and pain that would have made even Jesus weep. Anything was preferable to visiting the toilet. When my parents realized this wasn't some childish prank, but a real problem, they took me to the doctor. I was medically examined to ascertain whether there was a physical cause of my behavior. But after it was determined that this was not the case, they concluded the root of my anxiety was psychological. I was asked millions of questions by the doctor, by my parents, and when they got nowhere, by my heroine, the headmistress, Sister Mary Ethna. I finally revealed that from the first week at school, Every time I sat down on the loose seat to pee, there was a man standing there watching me. And quite frankly, I didn't feel at all comfortable about taking my knickers down in front of him. You can imagine everyone's reaction. The police were summoned. Other girls in the school were interrogated as to whether they'd also been peeped upon by this pervert. <laughs> I was endlessly questioned, but fear of what this man might do to me kept me stubbornly silent until eventually, worn out by the persistence of adults and the law of pleasing Sister Mary Ethna, I caved in and revealed how it had been my religious education teacher, Sister Mary Patrick, who had personally introduced me to this very horrid and scary man. Sister Mary Patrick was hauled in and interrogated to within an inch of her life. She denied any knowledge of this man I talked of, who would always be there looking whilst I peeled off my regulation maroon serge panties. But I knew that not only did she know he was doing this, she even thought it was a good thing. Listening to her denial, I was outraged and reminded her of that first Friday afternoon of term, just before end of week mass when she told me in exquisitely excruciating detail all about him. She had called him my guardian angel. Being four Greek Orthodox and as not yet fully indoctrinated in Catholic ways, I'd never heard of a guardian angel before. She had waxed lyrically about how he was with us every second of every day, watching our every move. So my brain figured that this ever-present he would be there during loo time. Hardly surprising I reacted as I did, is it? I mean, tell me honestly, would you want to pee in public? For reasons I couldn't properly fathom, everyone seemed relieved when the identity of my stalker turned out to be an angel, and no one had any intention of punishing him or asking him to leave me alone. Instead, Sister Mary Patrick, with some prompting and guidance from Sister Mary Ethna, tried to elevate my brain to new dimensions and get me to understand that whilst I should never undress in front of a man, it was perfectly acceptable to take my knickers off in front of an angel. <laughs> I carried this learning with me into adult life, happily ripping off all my underwear in front of many angelic people. <laughs> 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 
unfortunately, most of them turned out to be mere mortals. So maybe the lesson wasn't as well learned as it could have been. See where thinking gets you? Was it Franks-driven episodes like this that my parents had given up so much? It's a hundred years since those school days now. Well, a different century anyway. And whilst I still think think things through to the nth degree and question and analyse and worry and imagine. I also know that sometimes all you have to do to feel really happy is eat some tomatoes picked from the garden or dry some roses in the sun or just gossip with a friend. And just as death is a part of life, so the brain is a part of us. We must let neither our losses nor our brains colour everything. There's so much more to life and to us. Somebody once told me the story of the humble bumblebee, who aerodynamically is incapable of flying. It's a factual physical impossibility for him to do so, because of his wingspan in relation to his body mass. But our ever-so-humble bumblebee never had parents who sacrificed stuff, so he couldn't go to school, so he never had the opportunity to study aerodynamics. And therefore, he just kept on flying, ignorant to the fact that he couldn't. I hope I remember that next time my brain tells me I don't have wings. So you see, my thinking has brought me to a new place. Had she not died two years ago, my mum would have been here celebrating her 85th birthday today, April 6th. Actually, I believe she is here, just as I believe Mr. Guardian Angel was in that loo. I believe she's smiling down proudly at her thicker yo-yoing daughter, and knowing it was her gift to me that gave me the means with which to write this, my birthday gift, back to her. For more stories, or to take part in next month's show, head to sparklondon.com. Spark London, Jeet by Joanna Yates. With audio production by Matt Hill at rethinkdaily.co.uk. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.